0: affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. I promise that moment of them putting your baby in your arms, it just,
1: everything else just kind of melts away. And you're just so grateful to be there. And you're just so happy for you know that you're a parent now and that kind of thing so even if the journey doesn't look exactly how you imagined it sometimes it that
0: just makes it better and now getting pregnant and giving birth are two of the most exciting things you can ever hope to experience in this life the moment you think you could be pregnant you're frantically searching for all the best information which is why you're here today. I'm Stephanie King, and with my many years of experience as a professional childbirth educator, doula, and lover of all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, I'm here to make preparing for your birth enjoyable, empowering, and totally easy. Each week, I'll cover different topics, interview professionals, and get into the nitty-gritty birth stories from mamas just like you. And when you're ready for more, you can join me in the My Essential Birth course at MyEssentialBirth.com where I take you step-by-step through exactly how to prepare your mind, body, spirit, and partner for a birth you love. So let's get started. It's time. The My Essential Birth Postpartum Course is here. Whether you're pregnant, just got baby home, or weeks and months into postpartum, this is the course for you. No more wondering what's normal for your body postpartum, if baby's eating or pooping enough, or how to get a good latch. You now have an all-in-one resource where you can click a topic and get the answer. Learn more at myessentialbirth.com forward slash postpartum. And add it onto the My Essential Birth course for even less when you bundle them at checkout. Already in the course? check your student library and add the course for the same discount. I can't wait to support you on your postpartum journey. Welcome back to this week's podcast. And our reviewer of the week is A. Coles334. And she says, Excited for delivery. When I first became pregnant, labor seemed scary, intimidating, and there was so much I didn't know. After stumbling upon this podcast, I feel confident in my knowledge and in my body. I have learned so much, and I love the approach they take of explaining pros and cons to many different aspects of birth. There are episodes on topics for just about anything pregnancy and delivery related. So I am always finding some. Something new that sparks my interest. I am 27 weeks pregnant and hoping for an unmedicated hospital birth. This podcast has actually got me excited to give birth, and I am so grateful to have found it. Thank you so much for your review, and I'm excited for today's episode too because I get to be with. Uh, actually a member of the My Essential Birth Team and her husband. Um, So you guys get to hear from kind of some of us on the background. Uh, Her name is Danielle. I'm going to give her a chance to introduce herself. And then we're going to talk a little bit about her story, which just through getting to know her from being able to work side by side um, is pretty interesting and I think is going to be a great benefit to those of you that are here listening today. So Danielle, will you take a moment and introduce yourself and your husband and we'll dive in.
1: Hi, Stephanie. Thank you for having us. Uh, My name is Danielle Winter, and this is my husband, Jake. And we live in Southern California with our four-year-old daughter and our 19-month-old twin boys, Grayson and Jackson, and our daughter, Everly. So it's pretty chaotic, but we're loving this stage of life, and
0: um, we're just excited to be here. I'm excited to have both of you because I think it is really helpful for moms to also hear from dad's perspective. So Jake, I really appreciate you being here with everyone today. Um, It's something that I think we don't get to hear that voice enough. So a lot of the birth stories and stuff that I do here, a lot of the interviews that I do on on the podcast, it's wonderful to hear from moms and we wanna gain strength from other moms. Um, But I think it's really important for birth partners to be able to tune in and listen and get the other side of, of, um, they kind of get forgotten or maybe like their side doesn't get heard. And I think it's such an important thing to be able to do that. So I'm really glad that you're both here. Um, as we've got to talking, and um, just so you guys know, Danielle is my. She takes care of like my podcast edi- editing, and she runs the blog post and the show notes and that kind of stuff. Um, we also joke that she Daniellefies everything that I give her, so she makes beautiful all of the stuff you see on social media and, and all everything pretty that I have to offer comes from Danielle. Um, but in talking with her, as she's listened to some podcasts and we've had conversations between her and I and another member of our team. Um, um, you know, she kind of talked about her journey and that journey for for you and for pregnancy started with IVF. So since I know that's going to touch a lot of moms, because IVF is a really common thing nowadays, and thank goodness we have that as an option, um, but there's a lot to it. And we don't get a, and often enough, I think, to talk about all the ins and outs of that. So we take a moment and kind of talk about your IVF journey for your pregnancy.
1: Yeah. So um, we got married in 2014. And our plan was, okay, 2016, we've been married for two years. We're going to, you know, start trying to have a baby. And, um, we kind of knew going into it that there may be a few things, um, that we needed to kind of get checked out. Um, Jake had a lot of surgeries when he was a baby, so they weren't really sure, you know, if everything was, um, all good to go or anything. So, um, after about six months of trying, we realized, you know, It's not happening kind of thing. So we went and um, saw the doctor and normally they won't even see you for infertility until it's been a year. But because of the previous um, conditions and all of that, they were like more willing to listen to us, I guess. So um, we went and we saw the specialist and we absolutely fell in love with her. She was amazing. And, um, you know, so she and another doctor um, partnered up basically because they needed to test everything. They were like, okay, we need to make sure that, you know, we got to find out what our the problem is, what the issue is. And so I had a bunch of tests and Jake had a bunch of tests. And so probably for about a year, it was just all kinds of tests. They did, you know, uh, ultrasounds on me. And then they told me at one point they were like, oh, you have a heart shaped uterus. And I was like, I guess I just really love my baby already. <laughs> and they were like, well, no, actually, it's kind of a problem because uh, the baby, like, they'll only be able to grow in this bottom part, not the whole part. So then they were like, okay, so then there may be risks of miscarriage and all of that. So just throughout our journey, it was just, it just seemed like it was like one thing after the other. Like we would get a yes here, but then we would like take two steps back because it was like, oh, this isn't going to work now. And so, um, Jake had a lot of testing done and um, eventually he had surgery. And then um, at that point it was like, okay, now we're at the baseline of being able to start IVF because now we have sperm and now we have eggs. And so honestly, that whole process was just I like, I'm a planner. And if you had asked me, you know, how, what does your life look like? It would be like, okay, like I get married two years, like, and then have a baby. And every two years after that, and God was just kind of like, mm, well, <laughs> that's nice that you have a plan, but, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So after about a year, we finally got to the point where we could actually like start the IVF process. And so, um, it was January, 2018. And, um, we had our embryo transfer and, um, that baby stuck. And so then that was, uh, Everly. So, I mean, just the whole, I guess, journey from in that whole year was just really eye opening, And just, it was really hard as a couple too, I feel like, cause there was a lot of unknowns and just, I, w- I was actually just talking to Jake today and I was like, you know, what's crazy is like right now in this stage of life, we're just so focused on like parenting and like, okay, we have three kids, like all the things. And we kind of forget how even just a few years ago, we were wondering if this life that we're living now was even possible. And so it's just kind of like, I don't know, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about like that we're here now. And we're just so grateful that, you know, for modern medicine. Cause I mean, without that, like we wouldn't have our sweet babies that you see behind us. So yeah. Yeah. So that was just kind of like the journey part. Um, I mean, obviously like the, like the testing and the, the shots, like that was no fun. Um, it's funny cause they were like, Oh yeah, just have your husband do your shots every night. And I was like, Uh, have you met this guy? Like, I'm not having him do my shots because he's going to be like, okay, you ready? And then I'm going to, I'm going to go on three and then he'd be like, one, two, (laughs) you know? So I was like, I am not (laughs) like, no, thanks. I'll do it myself. So, um, yeah. And I guess just like communicating with each other was just as a young married couple uh, going through infertility was was kind of rough and kind of hard but you know thankful for for Jake and for all of the just sticking by me with all of this and my moodiness because of all the extra hormones that were going through my body (laughs) kind of kind of lost it on him one time
0: (laughs) just once huh i
1: mean other than that (laughs) well honestly like it was pretty bad and it was because i (laughs) i couldn't get the i couldn't get the garage door opened like like it like the knob stuck and for and i had been asking him to fix it and i don't know but just It might have been the hormones and all of that, but I just, I came in and I was raging. (laughs) Like, I was so mad. I, like, screamed at him and they ran upstairs, slammed the door. and Probably, like, what, half an hour later? Yeah. You came back, you were, like...
2: I just didn't know, like, hey, do I go up there? (laughs) (laughs) Do I just give her space? I was like, I don't want to get hit, so... (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
1: sometimes sometimes I'm, like, an abusive spouse. (laughs) So he, like, cracks the door open and he's just, like... Are you okay? Like, literally, I felt like I like as I'm raging and screaming at him, my brain was telling me, like, calm down. It's not that big of a deal. (laughs) But then I just couldn't stop. And I was like, all right, well, I'm committed at this point. So anyway, so went upstairs and he came back and he was like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm sorry. But like, I really want you to fix that (laughs) door. (laughs) But I mean, other than that one cray cray, like moment, I mean... The journey itself was, you know, was pretty okay. I guess. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, Jake, do you mind if I ask what that year was like, coming from your perspective? Affirmation track matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Dakota, totaling two hundred and forty seven dollars worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day.
2: Yeah, the IVF thing, I mean, it's just difficult because I mean for a good portion of it, we didn't even know whether we could get pregnant, whether that was an option. Um, so that was always, you know, a, a struggle. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, you just don't know. And then, uh, when we had the, I had the procedures that she referenced, um, you know, that was something where I, I went out, uh, they, they put me under four, a little outpatient thing. But before that, they still didn't know for sure. Like, Hey, whether you guys are going to be able to have kids. So like when I woke up, that's literally when I was told like, Hey, either this is going to work or it's not going to work. And so, you know, you're just like, you know, you, you go through the procedure and you wake up, and you're like, you know, like, please, like, I hope this is, this is a yes, you know? And you know, if, it, if that didn't work, obviously the option was going to be to to go for adoption, I guess, would be what we had talked about. But, you know, I think that's, there's always that desire as a couple to, you know, have, have children. And so that was just uh just a tough time, but, you know, I mean, thankfully we were able to to get through it. And uh, you know, there was a lot lot going on around that time in terms of like our personal life. Like I was on training at work, so you know, I had I had long days every day. And so you're we're dealing with all this, trying to go through the IVF process. At the same time, it's like I got a lot going on with work, but, you know, it was actually kind of cool because when I had that procedure, it just worked out perfect for me. I had like five days off in a row, which is just very rare for that time of life. But, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, it just feels like looking back, like God really did have a plan for us. And it just, it's amazing how it worked out in retrospect, but going through it, it it's an incredibly difficult process. And then, um, then even once we did get pregnant with our daughter, Everly, I remember uh, one of the first ultrasounds we went to. Our, um, our IBF doctor, she was actually pretty new with, with the job, I guess, at, at least in practice. terms of like her own, having her own practice. And she did an ultrasound and basically she looked at where Everly was implanted and she said, oh, you know, she's kind of implanted low. And it was kind of like, okay, you know, it's not good, I guess, but it wasn't like a big deal. Well, then I think we went I think this is how it went. Then we went for another ultrasound and basically said, she said she talked to another uh, partner in her practice and the partner was like, Hey, Tom basically don't get excited about the pregnancy because it's probably not going to work out. And that was, you know, that was an incredibly tough day, you know, cause you, you've gone through this entire journey and with IVF too. I mean, it's the reality of it is it's a financial journey too. It's, thousands and thousands of dollars taking out loans um there's a lot that goes into it and then it's emotional journey uh that's that's probably the toughest part but you're going through all this and then you're basically told like hey you've you've reached this milestone which was huge uh getting pregnant and then it's hey you know it's probably not gonna work out and it's just incredibly challenging to go to and thankfully it did um i guess where she implanted she's moved or something i don't know she's stubborn (laughs) so she made it work but um you know so that that was just challenging but that entire process was just difficult and then the the pregnancy i mean that that's a different that's a <laughs> whole other story
1: i think it was just honestly after that ultrasound was one of the first times that i had seen jake cry and it was just yeah like he said the emotional impact that it has on you to be to go through so much and then to get told you know oh we don't think it's going to work out kind of thing And so it was just a lot of like praying and crying together and like and and just working through it. Um, And I'm just so thankful that he he's the more like calm, cool, collected one, because I definitely needed that. But yeah, thankfully, by the next ultrasound, I think she had moved up. So thank you. know We're
0: just glad for that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think talk me through a little bit about your pregnancy. Tell me about your pregnancy with Everly.
1: Yeah, so um <laughs> I'm just trying to like Okay, so we we you know after that ultrasound we finally got the okay like you know baby's heartbeat is strong, she's moved, you know, it's a viable pregnancy like, you know, we're we're moving forward. So, um around 11 weeks I started getting sick. Um, you know, morning sickness which you know, it's pretty typical kind of thing. But um, by, I don't know, probably like 14 weeks or so, I was still so sick, like couldn't keep anything down, couldn't keep water down. Uh, It was just, to me, it was like, okay, this can't be normal, like that I'm so sick, right? But because it was my first pregnancy, whenever I would go into urgent care, they were like, oh, it's just morning sickness, like you'll, you'll get over it kind of thing. And by like 19, 20 weeks. And it was still like, I was in urgent care almost every other, every other day, just getting fluids. Cause I couldn't keep anything down. I was so dehydrated and constantly throwing up. Like even <laughs> I couldn't even stand being around Jake, like just his smell made me more nauseous. And I like felt bad. Cause I was like, Oh, sorry. Like you just showered, but also like <laughs> you're making me nauseous kind of thing. Um, so Yeah, they were very hesitant to diagnose me with anything, which was really frustrating because I'm like, okay, it's literally been 19 weeks and you guys still aren't like doing anything other than just giving me the um, IV bag of fluid kind of thing. And so um, finally, I think once I was like 20 weeks, they were like, okay, we're going to officially diagnose you with hyperemesis. And I was like, okay. Like, what does that mean? And they're like, well, basically, hyperemesis it can last you your whole pregnancy or it can just end. And I was like, OK, cool, because like being sick 24-7 <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> and um, yeah, I had to stop working. I had to leave work um, just because I literally couldn't function. I was just throwing up constantly all day. Um, I would literally base how I would eat, like, if I wanted to eat something based on, like, how it would feel coming back up. Like, I know that's disgusting, but, like, that's just how bad it was. It was like, okay, do I really want this piece of toast? Because, like, I'm going to see it in about 20 minutes kind of thing. So, it was just, it was awful. And, like, I don't know, we were, we were just so grateful to be pregnant and to, for me to be like able to carry this baby but i was just so miserable like i would cry because i was just like this isn't this isn't what i imagined pregnancy would be like this isn't how i thought things would go i'm so sick i can't even enjoy like you know her gender reveal. I can't enjoy like feeling her kick, like nothing. It was just like the hyperemesis was is so all consuming. And it was like, this is never, and I guess when you're in the middle of something, it's just like, this is never ending kind of thing. So, um, I mean, that was just like the first, I think that was like 26 weeks that I had hyperemesis with, with Everly. So it was, it was pretty rough. I wasn't enjoying pregnancy. I didn't have that glow. I was very, like, my cheeks were all sunken in. I lost 15 pounds. I was like a skeleton, basically. What like, was
2: the number of urgent care visits that we had during that time? Oh, man. somewhere.
1: I, I think it was somewhere. So in the, like, f- six-month span, it was probably like 50 or so maybe even more um, urgent care visits. And that was like, they put a pick line in because my veins were basically shot from them poking me and trying to put the IV in. So I had to get a pick line. So that was like a whole nother thing too, that um, procedure. But um, I mean, eventually it kind of just faded at like 26 weeks. And I was like, like cautiously optimistic, I guess. And then at that point it was like, I could actually enjoy, pregnancy kind of thing but then but then all these other issues came up cuz uh I started getting really swollen and um again like the provider we had just like it was whoever was available kind of thing. So you you never saw the same doctor. So it was like starting over again with every single doctor. Like, oh, so what what like what are your issues? And I'd have to explain the whole hyperemesis thing and have to explain the pick line thing. And then I'd be like, and I'm super swollen. And they're like, oh, it's summer. Like you're it's totally normal. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> know. Like this this seems pretty swollen. <laughs> so and they were like, oh no, it's fine. Like, so um, yeah, it was just like in my mind, like I knew that like something wasn't right, but I, I was a first time mom. So like, what did I know? You know? So, um, eventually it was, I was about 35 weeks pregnant and I went home to my parents' house cause I was getting ready for Everly's baby shower, which was that Saturday. And so that was Tuesday. And, um, I sat down on the couch and I was like, mom, I was like, my legs look really, really swollen. And she's like, uh so she comes over and my poor mom, she looks at my legs and I see her eyes widen, but she's trying to stay calm because she's just like, oh my goodness, like this does not look normal. <laughs> and so she gets my sister to come uh into the room and she's like, um, just for reference, um, can you put your legs next to, to Danielle and like let me kind of like measure it, I guess. And so she saw like how swollen they were because my legs were about the same size as my sister's before I was pregnant. So she takes a picture, sends it to her nurse friend and she's like, "Um, is this normal? And she was like, well, take her blood pressure because my dad had a blood pressure cuff and like see where it's at. And I don't remember what the number was, but it was high enough to where her friend called her and just immediately started like freaking out. And she was like, you need to take her to the whip right now. And I was like, okay, but can I like eat first? Like, I'm really hungry. And she's like, no, this is an emergency. Like, you need to go now. And I was like, kind of annoyed because every single time I had told the doctor about my swollen legs and all of that, they were like, oh, it's just summer. So I was like, did they ever I take mean, your I blood pressure? Just go kind of. Thing. At, I
0: mean, I feel like that's
1: they did, and they told me like at different times during the pregnancy that like I just had like a high baseline, hmm. so. I mean, I don't know, I would, I guess I would, it'd be interesting to look back and see them in my chart or whatever, but yeah, they, they were just like, oh yeah, no, you're fine. Like pregnant, like swollenness is part of pregnancy. So I go in and I didn't even, um, text him at this point because I was just like, I'm not going to bother him at work until there's something to worry about. Right. So I'm at the doctor, they take my blood pressure. The doctor comes in and he's like, Hey, do you want to have your baby tonight? And I'm like, no, not really. Like her baby shower is on Saturday. Like, like can I come back? Yeah, we had plans. Yeah. Like this isn't convenient for me. No. And he was like, okay, well, you're gonna have to have this baby tonight because if you had gone home tonight, you could have had a stroke and died. And I was like, whoa, like where, like where did this come from? And on also the delivery too. Like I'm a first time mom. Like I like that's kind of scary to hear. So I was like, um. Okay. He's like, yeah, you have preeclampsia and, um, you need to deliver this baby ASAP. And so the planner in me starts crying because (laughs) I had nothing prepared. Like her nursery was not done. Her, my bag was not packed. Like we didn't have clothes washed. Like she was only, it was, I was 35 weeks. So I still in theory had like a month to go, right. Do all the nesting and all of that. So, um, at that point, he calls me and he's like, why are you at the hospital? And I was like, oh, I guess he tracked me because I wasn't answering his text messages. So I was like, well, um, you need to call off work because we're having our baby tonight. And he was like, oh, uh, what, uh okay. Like he, like he was just as shocked as I was kind of thing. And then, um, you know, so then they start the whole induction process. And that was definitely not like, What I was planning either, you know, kind of all the interventions and stuff like that. It was just I was not prepared, I guess. And as a first time mom, too, you're not really you don't really know what to expect either. So it just seemed very like not not what I was hoping for kind of thing so um, when they
2: said are you gonna have the baby that night that was a lie too yeah that was like i don't know four days later it finally was not four days, it was
1: two days
2: later. like i was happy that night because I was, I was supposed to i was in the middle of a 16-hour shift so i was yeah. like oh okay cool like we could just i gotta leave halfway through i only did eight hours and then i can go and we're gonna have the baby tonight that's gonna be great because that's what i was i was i was sold a false bill of goods
1: yeah. <laughs> i'm sorry <Dad. laughs> that really everybody had her was own plan
2: sleeping on that uncomfortable hospital couch for the next like three or four nights
1: i'm pretty sure that all the moms that are listening to this now are like boo-hoo, you had to sleep on the uncomfortable it's, couch? I mean, well, fine. I was going through labor. I know, but it's... But yes, I feel yeah, so bad that you had to sleep on the uncomfortable still couch. Still
2: long-term back pain from that <laughs> thing.
1: Anyway, so um, they put me on Pitocin to get my labor started, but they also had me on a medication to keep my blood pressure mm. down. So the two of right. them were like fighting against each other, basically. And so um, the next morning, I wasn't making enough progress. So she, uh, the doctor's like, oh, uh, I'm going to break your water. And I'm like, and I'm literally, I didn't even have time to respond. And she broke it. Like, she didn't even say, like, can I break your water? Or, like, this is what's going to be next or whatever. It was just, oh, I'm going to break your water. And I was like, oh. Okay, Aww. so then after that, um, you know, labor really started going, kind of thing, and then um, I actually, I actually kicked him and my dad out of the the labor room because they were in the corner and they were just like giggling and like talking Not about giggling.
2: They're <laughs> just like, you know,
1: we're just laughing. Uh, we're on
2: hour like seventy two of a seventy eight hour journey, so okay. I mean, you got to kind of break it up with some <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I mean
1: could have, could have been holding my hand
0: could have been like
1: helping no, me work through the no, contractions with but. that grip you had
2: <laughs> break my hand danielle even. you guys didn't take the birth course <laughs> he wasn't
0: prepared that's all that that was yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah i guess exactly not, we but didn't know about it at that point and yeah so anyway i t- i t- told my mom i was like can you please get those two out of here and my mom's like even even jake and i was like yeah tell him he can come back when it's time to go like when it's go time and she's like okay so she's like You two out. (laughs) So, um, anyway, then at that point, um, it was Thursday and um, labor really started um, to pick up. And then they told me, okay, it's time to push. And so they were like, obviously, because I had the, uh, well, I had the epidural placed and they were like, "Uh, oh, actually, we don't even know if we can place this epidural because you're so swollen. So we can't find the place in like your back where it needs to go. And like, I was already freaking out. Cause I was like, I already knew I was like, I want the epidural, like all of that. And so I, <laughs> I was freaking out, but anyway, so they placed it and it was fine. Um, so yeah, I couldn't feel the contraction. So they just told me when to push basically. And, um, I think I pushed like five times and
2: I was invited back in at this oh, point too. Yeah. Yeah, I was there for that.
1: He was holding my he was yes, my at shoulder that point
2: I yeah. I was there to my help. Hand.
1: And anyway, so I think it was five pushes and then she was out and then um do you want to tell them about the umbilical cord?
2: Oh yeah, I wasn't gonna cut that thing.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: I was so he you know, he's handing me the scissors and I'm just like, dude, like this is your guy's job. <laughs> Like, I don't, I don't know why you're, I'm being asked to do that. Like, there's nothing. And I, I actually ended up doing it when we had – I did it when we had the boys, right? Yeah, see, I already blocked the memory out. <laughs> there's nothing that's exciting. Well, and, and, oh, I do remember now because I, I swear they were, like, rusty scissors they gave me because when I did it with the boys, it took, like, seven different cuts to finally get mm-hmm. this thing. And it's just – But yeah. it's
1: supposed to be, like, a bonding thing, I think, is well, what I it's
2: – Yeah, I didn't bond.
1: anyway <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> – <laughs> my mom, uh, cut the umbilical cord and, um, yeah, I mean, even though she was five weeks early, she was six pounds, one ounce. So she, I mean, she wow. was a pretty, a pretty decent sized baby. Um, I tore, um, I think a second degree tear. Um, but I mean, other than that, like, you know, she stayed with us and the rest of the, well, no. Okay. So that, <laughs> this episode's going to be super long talking about all of the things that like happened or whatever. So um, it was right before they were going to discharge us. And they came in and they were like, oh, hey, by the way, you lost a lot of blood. So we're going to give you a transfusion before you leave. By the way. And I was like, "Okay, (laughs) I guess. Yeah, it was really weird. It was literally like they were getting ready to um, let us go home. And they were like, oh, yeah, by the way, we forgot, basically. And so they gave me the transfusion and they were like, "Okay, we'll wait one hour after and then um, we'll send you guys home. And so finally get home. I crawl into bed, I lay down and I feel on my leg like a hard spot. And so immediately I'm like freaking out. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, like it's a clot. Mm. It's a blood clot." And so <laughs> I go to wake him up and he just sits up and looks <laughs> and looks at me and he goes, "Uh-huh." I'm like, "I we got to go back to the hospital. Like something's wrong." And he's like, "Okay." And then that like psh, gone. <laughs> like c- like I was like like babe hey, like we gotta go and he was just like totally like exhausted like knocked out it must have been the bad sweet- it was
2: the it was the back pain yeah. that i was dealing with yeah so i just I, i'm gonna sound like the worst husband on this yeah. but yeah I, I like looking back i can remember her telling me but i just remember just like i must have thought like oh this isn't real or something because like you know you dreaming yeah. Or something. yeah you're just i mean you're a new parent and, like that's exhausting yeah. you know for
1: yeah you were in labor for the past three days no I but i mean like you know you're
2: it's like Sleeping in Guantanamo Bay, probably. You know, you're waking up every, like, 45 minutes for something with the kid. And, you know, there's no there's no true sleep there for I'm gonna anybody. I'm going to be honest. Right? That's the first time I, I have heard, heard the we... labor
0: room described as or compared to Guantanamo Bay. That's a new one. Yeah,
2: that's, <laughs> that's what it was. Somebody's
1: coming in every, yeah. like, half an hour. Torturing you. <laughs> prodding. On, to yes, exactly.
2: Even the Taliban was like, it's not that
1: bad. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, at that point I call my mom and I'm like crying and I'm like, mom, something's wrong. I need to go back. And she's like, okay. She's like, where's Jake? And I'm like, homeboys like knocked out. Like I can't wake him up kind of thing. And she's like, okay. She's like, I'll be there. Um, I'll stay with the baby and dad will take you to the emergency room. So, um, by the time I get there and I tell him, you know, Hey, I felt this like clot, whatever he says, he gets mad at me. And he's like, why did they send you home? And I'm like, (laughs) I don't know because like that's what they do after like 48 hours when you're at the hospital and he was like they should not have sent you home and I'm like okay I don't understand why you're like yelling at me kind of thing and he's like you still have post-eclampsia you should not have gone home and I was like oh okay so basically he was like I'm so glad that you listened to your body and that you came in he was like it could have gotten so much worse and all this stuff and I was just like man when am I ever gonna catch a break (laughs) like it's just like I just want to be home I just want to like Hold my baby and all of that. So, I mean, they finally got it under control. They put me on medication and everything, but.
2: And then I just sheepishly walked into the hospital <laughs> just feeling oh, terrible. I was like, I'm, I'm the worst. <laughs> yeah. I was, oh, no, oh, no. Man. You had to
1: take Everly to her first doctor's appointment, like the day after. Yeah. I, t- I took her with
2: your mom <laughs> and then the doctor <laughs> referred to her as my wife, her mom. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like our family's just all disjointed at this point. You know, she's at, she's at the hospital. We're, we're there with Everly at her first appointment. So.
1: Yeah, so needless to say, we did not get that like first like 48 hours, like at home, just yeah. like chilling and like cuddling and snuggling the baby. So but I mean, after that, everything was fine. So that was I mean, that was Everly's journey in like a nutshell, a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And that's rough, especially after, like you said, going through all the IVF and all that stuff. Um, Jake, was there any time during there where you were like really concerned or what was kind of your emotional mental state other than? clearly being exhausted and uncomfortable <laughs>
2: <laughs> are you talking after birth during or, or after like before. that whole
0: experience
2: no uh, i mean it was just a it was several days because i i remember at that point um it, it, basically they told us right from the get-go hey you know it's she's going to be delivered tonight and then it was okay well now it's now it's another day then it's another day so you're just you're kind of waiting. And I think at one point they basically said, well, if after they break the water, if that doesn't work, then it'll be C-sections. You're just, you know, your first time dad. So you're, you're nervous and you're, you're just kind of waiting on edge and you want to meet your child. Of course, you know, that's the most exciting thing. You want your wife to be safe throughout the process. So, um, you know, just being in the hospital, I guess there's a sense of comfort in that, you know, at least you have medical care professionals there. So I wasn't too tense during that process. And then, um, after she was born, at least initially, um, other than the, I mean, we had the complications with Danielle, but, um, Everly that initially was, was very healthy. So, um, I mean, that, that was your, you know, your biggest concern is just those, those two factors. Hey, is my, my daughter safe and is my wife safe It's yeah. the, the two biggest things. And then when she had the, the leg clots, that was obviously concerning and the transfusion afterwards. But I think for us, the um, the labor process was just so difficult. There was a sense of relief and like, hey, this is at least it's sure. finally done, yeah. <laughs> you know, because uh, she had such a rough time. And um, so, you know, it's just, just great that that process was yeah. done.
0: Okay, and then let's move on to your twins because we had all of that with Everly and then some time passes and you do IVF again or what happened with the twins? Yeah,
1: so um, actually in January 2020, we tried again and we got pregnant. But um, when we went in for the heartbeat ultrasound, our doctor told us that um, – there was no heartbeat. And so, um, I had miscarried that at like six weeks. And so that was, that was another thing that just kind of like threw us for a loop kind of thing, because you're just, again, you're just so excited and so happy to, you know, be pregnant. And then this happens. And I mean, with any couple that that's always a, you know, a shock and not something that you're planning for. But I think with, you know, IVF, it just makes it a lot more like weighty, I guess, just because it's like, okay, we just all, I mean, I, yeah, like he said, it's a financial thing, but also too, like, you know, we were like dreaming about like, Oh, like, are they going to be like every year? Are they going to mm. be, you know, all of those hopes and dreams kind of, you know, leave, like, I guess with that baby kind of thing. So that was really rough for us just going through the miscarriage. And, um, so once we, once we, you know, decided enough time had passed, we decided to try again. Um, and the doctor was like, well, okay. So when we froze your guys' embryos, we had five of them and we froze the last two together, like, um, like as a unit basically. So we would just transfer those two. she, She was like, so you have the option to either transfer a single embryo or the two embryos. And,
2: um, it's kind of like a buy one, get mm, one free, but it wasn't, <laughs> that was that's probably else. the
1: only time it's ever, yeah. one,
2: get
1: one. <laughs> um, so she was like, you know, obviously with your history with Everly, I'm cautious to even advise this just in case it, you know, both of them do stick kind of thing. And we just kind of weighed out our options and we were like, you know what, like, let's just go for it. And, you know, we'll see what happens kind of thing. And so, um, transferred the embryos and <laughs> came back for the heartbeat appointment. And she goes, oh, look, there's two gummy bears in there. And, and we were just like, wow, like, this is insane. Like, we're having twins kind of thing. And um, but then uh, before even before the six week heart uh, heartbeat ultrasound, I was already sick. So I already mm. knew I was pregnant. Like, I was like, oh, man, like, this again. is I'm already yeah. Already like up for round two kind of thing. Which was
2: kind of funny in a way because we were excited that she was sick because we knew like, hey, this pregnancy is working because when uh, when we had the miscarriage she didn't you know she basically she even told the doctor before that ultrasound when they said there was no heartbeat she goes i don't feel pregnant well this time she definitely oh, yeah, did definitely because don't. she's feeling terrible so i'm like <laughs> oh this is exciting you know this worked, but then oh that's not good either you know you don't yeah. want your wife to be super sick
1: yeah so um you know she tells us there's two in there we're excited um i'm super sick and just yeah i mean honestly their pregnancy other than you know me being sick 24 seven. And my parents basically had, I basically had to live with my parents because he was working and, um, we needed somebody to take care of Everly. Cause I couldn't take care of her kind of thing. That's how sick I was. Um, and it was like all hands on deck, like my poor, my sister's now fiance, I probably had only met him like one other time and he had to drive me to urgent care. And I'm literally like throwing up and he's just like, are you okay? <laughs> like poor guy, just er, <laughs> there's all hands on deck. Everybody, whoever was available was taking me to urgent care and waiting with me kind of thing. So, um, I think I started feeling better around 19 weeks with the boys. So I actually got to enjoy pregnancy a little bit more with them. Um, I think around 35, 30 weeks or so they were concerned because, um, of the non-stress tests, they were like, Oh, you're kind of having like a little bit of, um, contraction. So like, we're going to send you to the, the whip and kind of get checked out kind of thing. And so while we were there, they were concerned that if they did come early, they wouldn't, their lungs wouldn't be developed. So they were like, okay, you're going to go in and get the story shots. And I was like, okay. And like, we actually, I actually kind of like weighed the pros and cons for that. I was like, I don't know, like, do I really want do I really need these? And like that kind of thing. But after speaking to a couple, um, nurse friends and specifically one who had twins, she was like, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely something that you want to do. So I go in and they were like, okay, it's like two, it's like two different shots over, um, two days kind of thing. And so they gave me the first one and I was like, oh man, like that's like thick, like it hurt Mm. kind of thing. And so, um, the next day when I went in, the nurse, I was watching her put the fluid into the um, the syringe. And I was like, man, that's like a lot, like a lot of liquid. And I was like, um, is it supposed to be like the same dose as yesterday? And she was like, oh, yeah. She's like, it's just the same amount. And I was like, because that looks like double. Like, And I was trying not to be that person yeah. of like, um, excuse me, like I don't think you're doing your job right. But also like I was concerned because that liquid did hurt. And then also too, I didn't want to like have – you know, Hulk babies, I guess. (laughs) So she was like, Oh, and then she like looks at it and she had done the math wrong or something like that. And she was like, Oh yeah. Like, thank you for pointing that out to me. And I was like, Oh my goodness. If I hadn't been paying attention to that kind of thing, like, you know? So, I mean, I always tell, um, like other moms who like ask me for advice, which I always tell my friends, I'm like, if you want to hear about how amazing and great pregnancy is, don't come to me. Like, (laughs) like I'm not the spokesperson for a smooth, like easy pregnancy, but I will tell them, you know, always make sure that, you know, like the tests that they're running and like what they're putting into your body and how much and that kind of thing. And one of my nurse friends actually told me, she was like, Oh, it's so good that you said something. She's like, you know, we're, we have tons of patients. Sometimes we'll miss things kind of thing. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm just glad that I saw that kind of thing. And then, um, yeah, a couple of weeks after that, they were like, okay, we're scheduling your induction because, um, baby a, which was Grayson was feet down. So they were like, Oh, we can't really try a vaginal birth since he's feet down. And then Jackson was laying across my ribs. And so, um, it was Thursday and, um, my well, I thought my water broke, and I was like, "Oh, did I like pee, or is this like my water?" Because my water didn't break with Everly, if you recall. So I didn't know what that sensation was like. So I got up and I called my mom because she was like at the other end of the house, and I was like, "Can you come see?" Because like I didn't want to wake everybody up if it was like I just peed myself kind of thing. Because I was <laughs> so uncomfortable that I was like, "I don't know, it's it's possible." So I like waddle over into the the shower, and um, it just kept coming out so then I was like okay like obviously this is my water kind of thing like and so while I was in there I just showered I kind of just like took my time Um, my mom called Jake because he was here at home because um he was sleeping getting ready for work the next day um so it was going to take like 15-20 minutes for him to get here so I just kind of showered and I just sat on the toilet and just kind of like was really chill about the whole thing I wasn't in a lot of pain but then I also think that because I was so uncomfortable for so long that like my body was like, yeah, this is nothing <laughs> kind of thing. So I, like I could feel the contractions, but I was, you know, able to talk through it and that kind of thing. Um, so we finally get to the hospital, we get checked in, the nurse checks me and she's like, did you feel that contraction just now? And I was like, I mean, like I felt it, but I wasn't like, you know, not able to speak through it. And she was like, cause that was a really big one and you're seven centimeters. And I'm like, okay, well they're not coming out that way. So like, Where are we, like, are we getting ready to go or whatever? So they quickly, like, got us in, and um, I started freaking out because they were, it seemed like they were, like, starting already, and he wasn't there, Mm -hmm. and so I started having, like, a little bit of a panic attack because I was, like, okay, like, I'm already scared about a C-section, and then you know, my person's not here. And so I started like, like having a bit of a panic attack. And the anesthesiologist was like, it's okay. He's like, don't worry. Like, we're not going to do anything until like we tell you. And- all of that and i was like okay but where's my husband and they're like don't worry like we're not going to start without him or whatever so finally he gets there and i like, grabbed well, his hand
2: i was okay so i don't sound like a terrible <laughs> husband still i was at the hospital but they don't let you in for the start of mm. the procedure for the c-section so i was sitting out in the waiting area
0: uh, yeah That's well i did i didn't know it's nice, nice of them to tell you he was there or not <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, so he finally gets there, grab his hand, and I'm like, where were you? And he was like, I was just like, outside. Yeah. Like-
2: <laughs> they don't let you in. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it was just like the weirdest sensation, just like you could feel like pulling, mm. but you couldn't tell like where it was coming from kind of thing. And um, yeah, then it was just like we heard Grayson cry, and then they laughed because he peed on them when he came <laughs> out. And then it seemed like it seemed like two seconds later, we heard Jackson crying and, um, you know, they brought Grayson over to me to, to see, but they didn't bring Jackson over. They just kind of showed him, um, from the little baby incubator kind of thing. And then, um, yeah, so then they were like stitching me up and all of that. And Jake left with the boys and then, um, they were going to wheel me into recovery. And so, um, when we, as we're passing by, I see Jake holding Grayson like on his chest. And I was like, oh, where's Jackson? And they're like, oh, they took him to the NICU because he was having a little bit of um, trouble breathing, but like nothing, nothing crazy. They just wanted to monitor him. And I was like, okay. So the nurse comes in she's like, hi, how are you? And I'm like, oh, you know, just had two babies kind of thing. And she was like, okay. So she lifts up the sheet. And I, again, I see her eyes just get big and I'm like, Okay, like this isn't good, and she's like, "Um, I'll be right back," and I'm like, "Okay," (laughs) like I don't know what's going on. The doctor comes running in, flings like the curtain open, flips up all my sheets, and she's like, "How do you feel?" Like very stern, and I'm like, "I'm tired. I want to go to sleep," and she's like, "Don't go to sleep," and I'm like. (laughs) okay. And she was like, you're hemorrhaging and you have a lot of blood, blood clots. They're the size of golf balls. Like I'm trying to get them out. And I'm like, okay. And, um, you know, sticks her hand all the way up there and just like cleaning them out. And, um, I guess it was probably scary for you seeing all that blood coming out of the, like the, the cloths and all that coming out of the room.
2: Yeah. Well, the timeline, was a little bit different. So basically I'm in this, this waiting area. I have the, the boys with me, Grayson and Jackson, and then they, they, they were still in there, Mm. both of them. And then that's when the doctor came in they saw all the blood. So then the doctor comes in and they're, they're literally just taking these, these pads, the hospital pads out or whatever. And they're weighing them to see how much blood she's lost. And they're doing the math of like, Hey, this, this pad's supposed to be, you know, however many ounces. So take that, subtract it out. That's how much blood she's lost. And then I was still with the boys and and Grayson was doing fine. His breathing was all good. Jackson's breathing was a little bit off. So they were monitoring it, uh, but he was okay. And then all of a sudden they're just like, basically they, they look at me and they're like, we want this dad out of here, you know, cause they're, they're dealing with all this little kind of mini crisis with her. So they're like, Hey, how about you just go to the NICU? Cause I obviously I got these two kids with me and we'll, we'll wheel everybody over the NICU. You'll just go over there. So that way you have basically, I guess, babysitting essentially (laughs) well when you take them to the NICU they automatically even if you need or not you know they do a quick assessment of the boys and Grayson checked out fine but then when they checked out uh, Jackson they go hey we need to admit him into the NICU so now I've gone from like you know, Hey, you got these two boys, everything's good. And the wife's, you know, she's out of delivery. Everything's looking fine there to now she's like bleeding uncontrollably. You got a doctor doing whatever, trying to try to fix this thing. And then now I got one son being admitted to NICU and the other one that's okay. So it was just this really difficult torn feeling. Cause I got one boy in NICU, one boy in like this, um, kind of like a waiting area of NICU and then I got my wife over there so and you know you're just trying to balance out like you don't want to have anybody forgotten you know you're just your family just multiplied but you know you're only one person and just trying to manage the manage the chaos or yeah just yeah it was just difficult
0: (laughs) I didn't even know that (laughs) (laughs) okay so how all that what what happened after that yeah
1: Yeah. So once they got the bleeding under control, they um, ordered two bags of blood for a transfusion. Um, They took me to, um, I think it's called couplet care where you finally, you know, get to be with your baby and just um, be in the room. So I finally, after all of that, got to hold Grayson, but Jackson was in the NICU. So it it was like this really weird feeling of like we're missing somebody kind of thing. And so that joy of like, oh, you know, I had twins. It was kind of like, oh, like it was kind of sad because it was just like, oh, we weren't all together kind of thing. But um
2: Jackson will be in therapy in like 20 years because of that. probably (laughs) Just being abandoned over NICU. All his parents are chilling (laughs) with his brother and just relaxing because she really hadn't like Jackson was presented to her like Simba from the Lion King real quick. Like she's shown to her, he's shown to her. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's whipped, uh, whisked off. So she really hadn't even seen him much. And then he's in NICU and she hadn't, they hadn't taken you over to NICU or anything yet. So
1: thankfully the nurse, um, that came in and checked in on me, she was like, okay, this is a plan. I know you want to go see your baby in the NICU. So I'm going to need you to, you know, get up and to walk and all of that, which, um, I think was, you know, it was painful, but that, you know, knowing I'm going to see my baby, like it was, that gave me the extra like strength that I needed to just work through the pain kind of thing. Um, so I got to, you know, see Jackson. I didn't, I didn't get to hold him, but I got to like hold his little hand in the, um, what was that? The incubator thing. And then, um, he was only in the NICU for 24 hours and then finally we were all together as a family. And so that was a really sweet moment. Um, the lactation consultant came in and she was like, Hey, do you want to try, um, dual feeding them? And I was like, sure. Like <laughs> you're here. Like why not? Kind of thing. And so she helped me, um, you know, get them all situated kind of thing. And she was like, Oh, do you want me to take a picture? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Cause, um, you're not coming home with me. So I doubt that I'm going to be able to like do this on my own without an extra like arm to help. So, um, so, I mean, that was like a cool experience just to say that, you know, I breastfed the boys like at the same time kind of thing. Um, and then, yeah, after that, we basically, we went home that next on the, let's see, they were born Thursday, we went home Sunday and
2: we made sure that we, we we stayed like an extra day or something you oh, know yeah, just because yeah. they were about to discharge us and we're like hey you know, we'll you know stay last one more time night. we had to come
0: back yeah so.
1: just just be, <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah exactly
1: we don't want to have to come back if we don't uh, have we to made kind extra of
2: thing. sure of it that time
1: yeah so and then um we introduced everly to her brothers and she wanted nothing to do with <laughs> them not a fan <laughs> not, not a fan like cried every time One of us like would hold hold them kind of thing. So took a little bit of an adjustment, but after probably like a week, like she was obsessed and loved helping with them and all of that. And, you know, she loves being a big sister kind of thing now. So, yeah, that was our journey with her pregnancies and all of that.
2: We missed the story about getting fired by the doctor. Oh, yeah,
1: Yeah. that's right. Add it in. Let's hear it. We, yeah. Uh, Do you want to tell that? Part?
2: Well, just tell your okay. perspective and then I can
1: Uh so we had switched providers after Everly just because of our experience with them and um you know them not catching the preeclampsia and all of that. So we were just like, you know, we're just going to switch providers. So, um this time around with the boys, I had a new doctor and um I was telling her already. I was like, yeah, I have hyperemesis. I had it last time. I don't like this medication that they tried to give me last time because it makes me um, feel anxious and all of that. So I kind of like told her as I'm like very sick and can barely like string together two sentences, you know, I kind of told her my history kind of thing. And she tells me, she's like, well, I'm going to prescribe it anyway, because I need to work through my process of figuring out what works for you. And I was like, but I'm already telling you that this medication does not work for me. Like I don't like how I would rather feel nauseous than feel like my heart is just gonna like beat out of my chest kind of thing. And she she was upset, I guess, that I never went and filled the prescription. So when I came back for my next appointment, she was like, you know, I don't think that this is a good, um, a good fit for us. And um, I I didn't, I didn't know that a doctor can fire you from being a patient. (laughs) So this was all news to me. And I was like, "Um, okay, but I was so sick that I couldn't like actually communicate like how I was feeling and all of that. So I asked her, I was like, can my husband please come in here? Because he understands what I'm going through. He sees me every day and he knows, you know, that I don't like that other medication and all of that. And she was like, no, he can't come in here because it was still during like, covid time when they were only allowing like the mother in with the for the appointment and i was like this is different i was like this like i literally like it's taking everything in me to even just say all of this to you like it i need him kind of thing i need him to advocate for me basically and so um she's talking to me and i'm literally as she's talking to me i'm texting him and i'm like please come in here like i I need you i was on speaker or oh yeah you're on speaker
2: but not like they didn't even know that. I don't know if that's maybe mm. like a hospital or a doctor no no or something but um she had me on the phone. She's like, "Hey, I'll just call you so that way you can hear." And um so it's it's basically like I can't talk like they didn't know I was on there, but she's basically just has it so I can hear what the doctor's saying. And I'm just sitting out in the car, um, you know, because like she said, it, it's during COVID yeah. time and we live in California and then we're in probably the most restrictive county for COVID restrictions during that time. So um, whether you agree with it or not, that's that's what we were stuck with and that's what we were working with. And so she was already frustrated because um, I, th- I think there's a lot of struggle there and it's what we had talked about. But, uh, you know, she kind of feels like, hey, my body just is rejecting the babies essentially. And like, I I think there's, I don't want to speak to it too much because it's kind of your, your thing, but it's like, Hey, like there's almost like a personal guilt for her that I think she was dealing with that she had communicated to me of like, Hey, my body just can't do this. You know, like I'm not, I I think you even said like a a couple of points, like, Hey, I'm not a good mom because of that. So like, that's what I'm kind of like, I was trying to communicate to her like, Hey, this isn't, you know, your fault. This isn't, you know, this is what your body does um and that's just that was really challenging for me to listen to and then we go to this doctor's appointment we already know this medicine regimen doesn't work because we had experienced it with everly and then she's on like i said i'm listening to the conversation the doctor starts to lecture her and at this point she'd already lost probably probably 20 25 pounds during the pregnancy while she's supposed to be you know pregnant with two boys And, um, I'm listening to the doctors basically blame her and lecture her for not listening to the, to the regimen of medication that she had prescribed. And I'm just sitting out there in my car and I'm like, (laughs) I'm just yelling into the phone, like, no, like, Hey, you know, like, listen to us, like, you know, and she can't even communicate just because she's so, um, really emaciated, I guess would be probably the best term. Like she just has no physical energy. So I'm listening to this and I'm, I'm like, I got to go in there and like at least try. And like I can't let this doctor blame her and then she's going to blame herself more and feel like, a, you know, like a terrible mom, like she's not doing this thing right when I know that's not the truth. But now I got this doctor trying to tell her that. And so I go into the lobby and I tell the lady out there, I go, hey, you know, like I'm this is what's going on. My wife, she legitimately, like she doesn't have the physical ability right now to speak for herself. Like I, I need to talk to the doctor and somehow it got communicated back there that I don't know what the doc, the nurse came and told, told her, but it was basically as if there was just this angry man in the lobby, just trying to like, you know, break down the doors. And I was like, that that couldn't be farther from the truth. Like I'm just trying to advocate for my wife. That was it.
1: And like, I know Jake, I'm like, there's no way that he's like belligerent or like anything about this. Like he's just, he's just being firm and just being like, I need to be back there kind of thing. So I was getting upset because then it's like, you're literally refusing my husband to like come in and help me basically. So after that, we basically, I said to her, I said, this is not working. Like I at least summoned up the courage, I guess at that or the strength at that point to be like, this is not working. Like we're not coming back. Like this is the fact that you're, labeling my husband as like this irrational man who's like trying to like come in and like barge in and break protocol and all this stuff when he's literally just trying to help me is ridiculous. I didn't feel heard. I felt like I was being bullied. Like I was being told that like I'm not a good mom and that like I'm I'm (laughs) that my lack of taking that medication was harming my children basically. And so I was just like after that we were done and we went and found a different provider. And like, it was like night and day difference. Like everything that I had a question for, they would, they would answer. They didn't make me feel like I was just taking up their time. And it was just, yeah. So I love that you always talk about the importance of finding a provider that you trust because literally it makes such a huge difference. And I was always like so anxious every time I would go in to go see her because I was like, she's going to lecture me. She's going to tell me that I'm a bad mom. And so it was just, I'm just so glad that we finally made that decision. And it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I didn't realize that doctors can fire you, (laughs) but I'm kind of glad she did. Yeah.
2: And the the nurse came to the door and she basically tells me, she goes, your wife wants you to go out to your car. And I was (laughs) was like, okay, like if she's telling me to like, I'll I'll leave, like, I'm just trying to help. But yeah, no,
1: because it was like, the doctor was freaking out like, upset at me and saying like you need to tell your husband that like he needs to calm down or whatever and i'm like i can't even talk to you how am i gonna talk to him yeah. so i was like please just tell him to go like we well yeah we'll so, so out. i
2: go out to my car and then they they tell her she's done with her appointment so i come to help basically walk her out to the car because she has no energy and i was just like the whole time because that had been what had been communicated to me i'm like i'm so i'm in so much trouble right now my <laughs> wife's gonna because like we just got fired by this doctor and i messed up by trying to go in there and advocate and help out and i was like oh man she. She's gonna, she's gonna, gonna take this out on me with all her strength she has left in her body and the strength of those two little acorn-sized babies. And uh, I, was, I thought I was in the most trouble, but thankfully, I mean, it was just, it was just, you know, we were on the same page of just, yeah. hey, that's that's no that's not working. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, okay. Well, you guys know we've we've been here for a while and I don't want to take too much more of your time um, but you know that I like to end these episodes with like what's your best advice for mom? What's your best advice from partners? And now we get to ask Jake about best advice from partners um, but Danielle, you've kind of had the benefit too of uh, since having those children and being with My Essential Birth you've kind of been able to listen to some podcasts and birth stories and um, hopefully gain some more information or um, knowledge from what you're listening to will you give your best advice that you have for for moms and maybe even some like yes you had a rough go but i love how positive you are about all of that so will you share some of that with the listeners today
1: yeah i would i would just say that number one trust your body and you know what's best for you and your baby like i know that um people are like oh the doctor knows best and it's like yes, to an extent, like they're knowledgeable, but also, you know, yourself and you know, what's good for your babies too. So, um, you know, I would just say, be knowledgeable about the tests also that, you know, they're running on you and, you know, that kind of thing. But I would, to the moms, I guess, who don't have the magical pregnancy that you think you're supposed to have, or that you're going to have, it's, it's worth it still, you know, going through all of the pain of IVF and just that journey of uncertainty, and then going through a rough pregnancy where it seemed like everything was against me. I guess just knowing that, like, okay, I'm going to be holding my baby soon. Like, that was what got me through. And I promise that moment of them putting your baby in your arms, it just, everything else just kind of melts away. And you're just so grateful to be there and you're just so happy for you know, that you're a parent now and that kind of thing. So even if the journey doesn't look exactly how you imagined it, sometimes it, that just makes it better. And now I'm able to speak to other women who are going through the same thing. And I always felt so alone when we were going through infertility because it was like, I didn't know anybody who was going through it. So to me, I felt alone. I didn't have anybody who I could confide in, who I could talk to kind of thing, who understood what I was going through. But now I feel like people are opening up now about their journeys. And, um, I just, I love that so much. So if, you know, I would say to other mamas, like, you're not alone in your struggle and that, um, there are so many people that you can reach out to and that, um, yeah, having a good provider is also like, way up there as far as like advice kind of thing. And then for the birth partner, I would say, you know, just communicating. Cause I mean, if I hadn't communicated to Jake that, you know, that doctor was making me feel that way, he would not have known how to advocate for me and, um, how to support me. And it was just, just by just having those conversations, it was nice that Jake was able to understand how I was feeling and then you know, move from there. So I would
0: just say communication with your partners is definitely yeah. key. And then Jake, I'd love to hear from you. What, what do you have in the way of advice for moms, um, and for dads that are listening?
2: I think for dads, it really just comes down to communication, but kind of on a different, different level than, um, uh, what Danielle's saying. Because when we go back on our journey, uh, starting in 2017 with the IVF and then, um, you know, then we had Everly and then we had the boy, um, we had that miscarriage in between the, the Everly and the boys and then having the boys. I think, uh, if I could go back, I would just really try to try to, um, work on that communication in a different way. Because when I look back and I think about it, like our IVF journey, we didn't know if we could get pregnant. I remember how tough, uh, mother's day would be for Mm -hmm. her. You know, that was that was just a terrible, terrible day. And it was one of those things like, I think coming from my background, it was just, okay, well, you know, she's going through a tough time. You just got to be strong for her, which there's a time and a place for that. But then there's also communication that needs to be, needs to be had there. And then in 2020, when we have the miscarriage, you know, it was the same thing. Like a lot of the advice we got around that time probably wasn't the best advice. I would say, I think that the miscarriage advice is a lot of the, I don't know if you call it just the status quo miscarriage advice just isn't really helpful for when you go through that. Uh, but then the same thing where it's just like, you know, it, it really affected me, but obviously it, it affected both of us. And if I could go back and be just, you know, trying to communicate because it was the same thing where it's like, okay, we'll just be strong for her. And, you know, then everything will be okay. And time fixes everything. Well, if I could go back, it would have been, you know, communicating differently about kind of what I was going through and, and trying to connect with what she was going through. So I'd say communication on, my side, you know, you know, for any, any dad out there, it's just key. Uh, no matter what your journey is, no matter what difficulties you have, um, you know, just communication is really the core of it. Yeah.
0: I love that.
2: So, and then for the moms, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't have much advice for that. You probably know, smart. I just, um, <laughs> just kidding. So, yeah. Yeah. Just be don't, nice. Don't. You know, don't, don't. make sure, make sure if you're the dad and, you know, she says that doorknob doesn't work, just fix it, you know, fix go the to Home door Depot. Yeah, Danielle. That's a hashtag for this week. Hashtag
0: fix the doorknob.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Fix the doorknob. Just do that twenty-minute trip to Home Depot and And
1: always, always be willing and available to go get Taco Bell. Oh yeah,
2: so much Taco Bell. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, You'll put on. Yeah, I I put on a lot of weight because you know you go to Taco Bell and you're like, okay, well, I might as well get myself a chalupa too. You know.
0: (laughs) Hey, that pregnancy weight is is real for for moms and dads.
2: Yeah, yeah. For dads yeah. too. Yep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys. This has been awesome. Um, I know it's going to serve many, many women. So, and Jake, I really appreciate you being here. I love hearing from dads. You have no idea like how important that is and how many women and husbands and birth partners that's going to serve. So thank you both for being here. It was an awesome story and I'm grateful to have you on my team. Danielle, you're amazing.
1: Thank you. We're so glad that you had us and I love working with my essential birth.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having us.
0: If you loved what you heard today, the very best way to support this podcast and help other moms to find it is to leave a quick review. I read one at the beginning of the episodes, and I would love for yours to be next. And if you're ready for even more pregnancy, birth, and postpartum goodness, come join me in the My Essential Birth course at myessentialbirth.com, where I will hold your hand and walk you through pregnancy and birth step-by-step so you're totally prepared for a birth you'll love. See you next week.